section five of hildebrand and his times by william richard ward stevens this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by pamela nagami chapter three progress of the reforming movement the pontificate of leo the ninth ten forty seven to ten fifty four part two on october third the pope opened the council he sat between four archbishops of lyon the primate of all gaul trier on which he had himself conferred metropolitan rights reims and besancon sixteen other bishops were present and a large number of abbots england was represented by duduc bishop of wells himself a lotharingian wulfric abbot of st augustine's canterbury and elfwine abbot of ramsey one of the first acts of the council was to declare that the pope alone had the right to be called the apostolic primate of the church universal and the archbishop of st james of compostella who had arrogated the title of apostolic was excommunicated twelve canons were passed for the better ordering of the church they forbade simony and enjoined freedom of election by clergy and people to ecclesiastical offices the clergy were forbidden to marry or bear arms or take any fees for burials baptism the administration of the eucharist or visitation of the sick the practice of usury the plunder of the poor and of pilgrims and marriage within the prohibited degrees were all condemned bishops and abbots accused of simony and other crimes were tried by the council two were deposed vido archbishop of reims narrowly escaped deposition on a charge of simony and his case was deferred for a hearing at rome the archbishop of sens and the bishops of amiens beauvais and lyon were excommunicated for failing to appear at the council their sees declared vacant and the clergy and people directed to make fresh election in all these dealings with the french clergy the peremptory tone of leo and the total absence of any reference to the will and pleasure of the king is most remarkable he issues his commands as the absolute sovereign of the catholic church from reims leo travelled through verdun and metz to mainz where a synod was held on october nineteenth the canons of reims against simony were renewed but there is no record of prelates being deprived or excommunicated in germany as in gaul the next two months were occupied in visiting monasteries in germany and granting or confirming privileges to them christmas he spent at verona in the following lent ten fifty he made a pilgrimage to monte gargano easter was spent in rome where a large synod was held attended by fifty-five bishops and thirty-two abbots at this council the teaching of berengar of tours who upheld a real that is ideal as opposed to a material presence in the holy eucharist was condemned the current dogma of the church had a powerful advocate at the council in lanfranc of pavia abbot of beck in normandy at this council also appeared ildred bishop of worcester and herman bishop of ramsbury craving a dispensation from the pope for king edward from his vow of pilgrimage to the holy land owing to the disturbed state of his kingdom the dispensation was granted on condition that edward repaired or rebuilt a monastery in honour of st peter 
he fulfilled the condition by founding the renowned abbey of westminster after the synod at rome the indefatigable leo made a progress in southern italy where he was respectfully received by the normans and guemar of salerno here he held a synod at which the decrees against simony were adopted and humbert a lotharingian who was skilled in the greek tongue was appointed archbishop for the island of sicily benevento which still resisted the authority of the western emperor and the pope was again laid under the ban of the church and at last the punishment produced its effect the inhabitants ere long expelled their hostile nobles and surrendered their city to the pope in september another synod was held at vercelli where the case of Biringar was again debated in gaul public opinion even among the clergy was much divided concerning the doctrine the king himself vacillated at the present time he had imprisoned Biringar, whose cause was pleaded at the synod by a canon of tours but he was no match for lanfranc who again appeared as the champion of the right faith Biringar was excommunicated and his doctrine condemned Biringar, however treated the excommunication with contempt he had many distinguished friends in gaul and the name of john scotus origina from whom he had derived his tenants was held in great honour there the controversy raged high in ten fifty four hildebrand was sent to france as papal legate to compose the strife the theological views of hildebrand were never so clearly defined as his political aims personally he seems to have been kindly disposed towards Biringar and not violently opposed to his doctrine but he was prepared to uphold what the pope and the council had declared to be the right faith it was during this journey to france that he was often heard to ejaculate invincible are the faith and the arms of rome and to cite the verse from the psalms blessed are they who keep his testimonies and seek him with their whole heart such utterances seem rather to imply an effort to brace up the mind to an unpleasant duty but with characteristic boldness he summoned a council to meet in tours the very stronghold of the enemy nothing very decisive however was effected there hildebrand having accepted a rather ambiguous avowal of belief that the bread and wine after consecration were really the body and blood of christ advised Biringar to come to rome and promised to defend him the sojourn of hildebrand in gaul was shortened by the tidings that the pope had been taken captive by the normans in apulia how this came to pass has now to be related at the beginning of the year ten fifty one both the emperor and the pope seem to have reached the highest point of prosperity a son long desired and prayed for had been born to the emperor at goslar in december ten fifty he was baptized in Köln by the archbishop hermann and hugh now abbot of cluny was his godfather the nobles swore fealty to him as the heir of the kingdom and the empire the consolidation and expansion of the empire and the church was now going on steadily together and the idea of a universal dominion complete on its spiritual and temporal side seemed within measurable distance of accomplishment but the fair prospect was soon overclouded the closing years of the emperor and the pope were harassed by anxiety and disaster 
and the child of many hopes and prayers was destined to a tragical career of sorrow which has few parallels even in the mournful annals of kings in 1051 disturbances broke out almost together on the lotharingian and hungarian borders of the empire which henry attempted to quell with very imperfect success but the greatest blow to imperial and papal power was to come from the other side of the alps the ambition of leo was not confined to a moral reformation of the church it included also the maintenance and extension of papal territory after the people of benevento surrendered their city to the pope he entrusted the defence of it to the normans under drogo a fierce and sanguinary strife having broken out between them and the inhabitants leo who seems to have assumed that the normans had provoked the tumult resolved to expel them by force from the whole territory of benevento if not from all italy but he had great difficulty in raising an army the emperor was too much occupied by troubles in germany to help him and the king of france and nobles of burgundy turned a deaf ear to his appeal although accompanied with rich offers and a promise of remission of sins guemar of salerno also refused to aid him and warned him against attempting so vast an enterprise but the pope would not desist from his purpose at last a motley army made up of poor material from various parts of italy but strengthened by five hundred germans was got together argyros the catapan at body agreed to support the papal forces which were mustered about the middle of june at civitate about twelve miles from benevento on the borders of apulia drogo had been slain at benevento and the norman army consisting of about three thousand knights was commanded by two of his brothers humphrey and robar giscar and their brother-in-law richard of aversa in fighting power the normans were immeasurably superior to the enemy but they were much straitened for supplies and hampered by the difficulties of their position between the forces of the pope and of the catapan the leaders therefore tried to make terms with the pope offering to hold their conquests as his vassals and to pay a yearly tribute to rome but their offers were scornfully rejected and both sides prepared for battle the unwarlike italians broke and fled at the first onset of the normans the germans alone stubbornly held their ground and fought on against overwhelming odds until scarcely a man was left the pope and his retinue from the walls of civitate beheld the overthrow of his army ten fifty three they might well tremble for their lives but to their amazement their terrible conquerors were suddenly transformed into humble servants and suppliants of the pontiff humphrey cast himself at the feet of leo craved release for himself and people from excommunication and promised on that condition to conduct him safely to benevento the ban was removed and the pope and his company were escorted to benevento with all outward marks of respect here leo sojourned for about nine months in a kind of honourable captivity occupying himself with penitential and devotional exercises works of charity and the study of greek in which he became so far proficient as to read the holy scriptures in the septuagint version nevertheless he still nourished designs against the normans and renewed his overtures to argyros at bari 
but the interference of the pope with apulian affairs and his negotiations with the catapan excited the jealousy of the patriarch of constantinople michael Kerularias, and combined with theological disputes to sharpen the strife for precedence between the two seas which was gradually widening the breach between the eastern and western branches of the church the patriarch in a letter to the bishop of trani denounced the heresies of the latins especially the use of unleavened bread in the eucharist a warm correspondence was carried on by chosen representatives of both sides on this subject and on the question of precedence each pontiff laying claim to the title of universal bishop presently however there was a change of tone seemingly due to the mediation of argyrus and courteous letters passed between the pope and the patriarch without abating any of his pretensions leo expressed a hope that a lasting reconciliation between the two great divisions of christendom might be effected three envoys were dispatched to constantinople frederick of lotharingia brother to duke godfrey and chancellor of the pope cardinal humbert and peter the exiled bishop of amalfi they took a letter from leo to the emperor constantine monomachus in which he expressed the liveliest desire to see friendship established between the two emperors and exhorted constantine to join with henry in expelling the sacrilegious normans from the territory of st peter misfortune had certainly not broken the spirit of the intrepid leo but incessant exertions and anxieties perhaps also his austere asceticism were telling upon his health on february twelfth ten fifty four the anniversary of his consecration as pope he celebrated mass for the last time he longed to spend easter in rome and leaving benevento on march twelfth he was conveyed in a litter to capua after a halt there of twelve days he was carried to rome accompanied by the abbot of monte cassino it was revealed to him in a dream that his last moments were to be spent in the church of the apostle for whose honour he had so manfully laboured he was therefore conveyed from the palace of the lateran to st peter's where he prayed fervently and with many tears before the altar after which he was taken to the adjoining palace here he received the eucharist in extreme unction and commended his soul to god in a prayer of humble resignation which he uttered in his native german tongue he died on the following day in the fifty-third year of his age and was buried according to his own desire near the grave of gregory the great his tomb soon became the scene of miracles and his name was enrolled in the calendar of saints End of section five